I'm going to go ahead and read from Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. This is the, the text that, that uh, Gary will be preaching on this morning. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Thank you, John. Good morning. I'm Pastor Gary Hubler. It's a joy to be here every Sunday uh, as we serve the Lord together here in Marion, and um, we're glad each and every one of you have chosen to be here with us this morning. We're looking at a passage that's probably familiar, and uh, the title of the sermon is Pursuit in Prayer. This coming year that's before us, as the elders have um, prayed about this coming year and what God has for us, has laid on our hearts that we need to be a people of prayer. We need to up our game, so to speak, in this area. That's a very trivial way to put it. We're dealing with heavenly things and we're asking God to do a movement that honors Him in this area. Uh, Area of the county, Marion and Cedar Rapids. And we want to seek Him together. And prayer, as we see it, as God has revealed it to us, is a key part of that. So as we look at this passage this morning that John just read, uh, Matthew 7, 7 through 11, we're looking at it in this context of prayer. What is God asking us to do in pursuing Him in our life of prayer? It comes down to a few very basic things, and there are many ways to do this, get to know Him better and pursue Him. There are many ways to do that, but prayer is one of those key ways. Um, it has to do with time and communication. These are two key pieces of any relationship. Um, I've seen this at work in my life all the way back in 1982. um, I had graduated from college and I had moved back home after graduation, spent the summer there and was heading into the fall of really taking a break from school while I applied to master's programs around. I kind of had a I had an idea of what God wanted me to do, but I needed more schooling to really do that well. So where would he want me to go? Um, And I hadn't made that decision while I was in college. So I was taking a year off working, earning some money at a local restaurant called The Last Straw. Really, that was the name of the place. And um, it it was a great place to work, actually. I really enjoyed the many years that uh, I was there. And... um, But I was seeking the Lord and what He would have for me. But there was much more on my mind than a career path. You see, there was this girl. (laughs) She hailed from Indiana. And we had spent time together and, as you would say, dated on and dated off and dated on and dated off through these really three, three and a half years of our college experience. And, and she was moving to Peoria, Illinois. And it hadn't escaped my attention that that was only three hours away from Rockford, Illinois, where I was at. 
And I was in my mind wondering, how can I continue this pursuit? But as I recall, that summer was kind of one of the off summers. There was some communication, but not near as much as I wanted. But I knew she was landing in Peoria. And then the weekend came that she was going to move to Peoria. And I believe it was Thursday night. She gave me a call. And honestly, as I stand here, I cannot tell you what she said, but I can tell you what I heard. (laughs) Okay? She needed me. Unfortunately, I had to work that Friday, but Saturday morning I was up and I was down to Peoria, Illinois. And I helped her move in and we spent that weekend. And throughout that year while she was at Peoria teaching, pretty much every Saturday morning I'd get up in the morning and I'd drive down to Peoria and we'd spend Saturday together. And I had a a good friend who uh, was a pastor there that I could stay with. And then we went to church together Sunday morning. And then after church, I drove back to Rockford because I had a 3.30 shift at the last straw that I had to be back for. And that was my pretty much, did we miss many weekends as you recall? No, we didn't. I was down there pretty much every weekend looking for time and a chance to further this relationship with her. And uh, that was in 1982 and into 1983 at the fall of 83, I came to Iowa. She went back to Indiana. And that's a whole other story, but I'll spare you from that. The key point was, if this relationship was going to move on, here's what I learned. We had to spend time together. We had to talk. She had to learn what an incredible guy I was. <laughs> See, my motives, I have to, my motives were not all that pure at that point. I knew what I wanted and I was pursuing, but I knew what it took also, okay? I couldn't just stay back in Rockford and hope that it worked out. There needed to be an investment in time and communication. It strikes me that it's much the same way with God. God uses the things of this earth to teach us what is really important. And our relationship with Him is key. And if I'm going to learn Him what he wants, what his desires. Matter of fact, even in our passage uh, today, when, before we come to Matthew 7, 7, Christ is teaching about many of life's experiences through time. And he talks about building up treasure in heaven. What does that take? We're not going to know that. We're not going to discern what that is unless we spend time with him and find out what kind of treasure does he want us to store up. He tells us not to worry, but come on, we know life. There is plenty to worry about in life today, right? But all of a sudden, when we connect with Him and He teaches us His ways and we put our faith and our trust in Him, He takes worry and pushes it away because He is a solid rock. He is a refuge. He is the one to whom we run to. He is the one that we trust in. Even the passage right before, even judging others and evaluating that, We don't see the heart. Only God knows the heart. So we have to spiritually discern through God's work in our life if we are going to do this the way that He and live the way that He desires us to. So if we're going to have the spiritual discernment that we need to walk this life, to walk this path, to 
build a kingdom of his, we're going to need to spend time with him and invest in him and learn from him if we're going to be able to accomplish this. See, here's, here's the human condition. Here's my condition. I want to think that I am strong. That if I just pull up my bootstraps and march on, it's all going to work out fine. But I've learned over the 59 plus years that I've lived that sometimes I can do that and be okay. But there's a lot of times I can't. I'm empty. I am not strong. But I think I am. Maybe that's the most dangerous place to be. I want to be independent. I don't want to rely on other people. I don't want to rely on God. Um, I think even here in the United States, we even push this way, way past what others do. We want to be independent. We want to stand on our own. Pride. At the base of much of what I deal with, pride is rearing its ugly head. And again, it's this trust in self, right? I can do this when in reality I cannot. If I don't have God's perspective, if I don't have his wisdom, I'm going to choose wrongly. See, God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He is all-wise. He knows what is best. He can do all things. And without him, I fall far short. So we need to pursue him. And in one of those ways that we can pursue him consistently and most effectively is in our times of communicating with him, our prayer times throughout our days. We need to pursue him as faithfully as he has pursued us. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that in it you have given us everything that we need to walk this life in a way that honors you. So I pray that as you've worked in my heart in the weeks leading up to this morning, that you continue that work in me and all of us would join together in pursuing you and learning what it is that you desire to do in us and through us for your glory. Lord, every one of our paths is different. It's amazing to me how you keep track and are so active in every one of our lives and yet... You are, and you are faithful. So I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, draw us close, show us how we might pursue you, that we might be your people and a bright light in this dark world. For it's in your precious and powerful name, Jesus, that we ask it. Amen. <clears throat> there are many models of prayer, <clears throat> all of which are very good. Um, I haven't heard necessarily of a bad one, although there probably are some out there when you think of all the options. But we're talking about a part of prayer. So in our pursuit of God and in our de desire to know what He would want for us, in us, and through us for His glory, it boils down to these three words, the three verbs that are in this passage, asking, seeking, and knocking. And the nice thing about it is three words, it's very easy to remember. 
So I'm trusting that just as I've been walking through this passage and now these are three words that are popping into my head whenever I come to God in prayer, that that will be the case for you. What do I need to be doing when I come to that point in my time with Him that I'm pursuing Him, praising Him, confessing, all of that is very real and a great thing to do in prayer. But now it comes down to, Lord, I need to know what to do. What is it that you have for me personally that I need to step out and do for your honor and glory? We need to have his mind on that. And God says we need to ask, we need to seek, and we need to knock. Three verbs. Um, They're all in what we would call the present tense, which means continuous and persistent action. It speaks of long-termness, a lifestyle that's a part. It's, it's continuous. It's happening all the time, and it goes long-term. Constant and persistent, all three of these verbs. So the first one is asking. So we ask, and when we ask, we keep on asking. When I ask, I'm thinking of an answer. And God says we do not have because we do not ask. So I think that it's a, and there's no problem here with asking for what we desire, okay? As long as I hold it with an open hand, it's good to come to the good father and say, I need this, or this friend of mine needs this. And I see this as a great way of resolving it. Lord, would you do that for your glory? We come and we ask. Sometimes we come and ask and we have no idea even what we want. And that's okay too because God is all wise. He knows what is best. And as we're going to see in this passage, He is the good Father that desires to give us good things. But we are asking for an answer at this point. We are looking for an answer. We're looking for His provision in this situation or this circumstance. And the promise is that it will be given. But of course we see throughout Scripture that when we add to this what God is looking for in our asking, our open-handedness, the key issue that we need to consider is our alignment with Him. Is our alignment with Him. When I ask, am I aligned with His desires and what He wants to see happen? knowing that he knows what is best. John 15, 7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, it will be given. It speaks of alignment, doesn't it? We are connected to him. We are looking for what he wants. And even though I may or may not see a possible resolution to the, to the circumstances, I am trusting him that he will do what he desires and he will give the answer. We look for God's answer. We see this example lived out in the example of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there's any other way, I'd choose that. What incredible honesty, right? If there's any other way, I see what's coming. Is there another way? That's what I would want. Incredible honesty. He's looking for an answer, right? I see this possibility. I'm seeking you. My desire, Lord, if you would grant it, would be, is there any other way? 
But of course, Christ was very aligned with his Father. His whole life, every step Christ took was towards the cross. He was totally aligned with the Father. So in his request for any other way, it was with a total open hand. And God had the freedom, God the Father had the freedom to lead him and guide him in the best way. So there's no problems in asking. Sometimes I think in my own life, I hesitate to ask. I would never want to presume upon God. I think of things like Elijah prayed and there was no rain. Wow. How many years later, he prayed again and it rained. That's alignment. I would love to be at that place. I am not. I'm continuing to grow. But I don't want to presume upon God. But I've learned over time, I'm not presuming upon God when I ask with open hands. It's when I kind of grab onto the answer. Have you ever done that? I really want this. And I'm, not, I'm no longer aligned with him. I'm, I'm aligned with myself. God asks us to be aligned with him. That is what he teaches us in the asking. He says, ask. I'm your father. I'd love to hear from you. i love to hear what you're thinking. I want, to, I want to know you. You want to know me. He knows all things I know, but we're talking about relationship here. A back and forth, sharing with one another and asking. There's no problem in asking as long as we are aligned with him and we hold the answer with open hands. We need to be free. Jump in with our God and trust Him with everything. So first of all, we ask. We're looking for an answer. We're asking for His provision. But then He says, seek. And the promise is, you will find. We are looking for a direction. We're looking for His will. What does he want to make? And we know, we know some things here right away, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are always his will. No matter what we are doing, he always wants us to be acting and doing it in those ways and reflecting our Heavenly Father in that way to this world. What we are seeking and really the key issue here, I think, is focus, okay? Now it's not, it's not about me any longer. It's about him. I'm focusing. I'm seeking his. Just a few verses before, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We are seeking his kingdom, his will. We are focused on Him at this point. We are looking for God's desire for us. And we, this is an incredibly consistent um, truth in God's Word. God is always looking for our Christ-likeness. That's His goal. As He walks us through life, leads us into circumstances that are beyond us, that we don't understand, that we're trusting Him for, and He takes us through that, we are shaped 
into the image of Christ. That's his goal. I must confess to you many times that's not my goal necessarily. I'm looking for something else. But God is always looking for our Christ-likeness. So we seek Him in those moments. We ask for answers, but then we seek Him and we will find Him. Christ's example, we know the prayer in the garden, right? Oh, He saw, if there's any other way, yet not my will, but your will be done. Christ was surrendered to His Father, the will of His Father, seeking what God wanted, the best for the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of himself. He wanted what was best in God's eyes. So we ask for the answer. We seek his kingdom. But then we knock on the door. The door of opportunity. We're looking for his direction. I need to know what to do. And many times I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do. What is best in this situation? The key issue here is direction and action. Of course, the lesson is we knock on the door and we keep on knocking on the door. Or maybe we knock on multiple doors and the promise that is in the faithful of God, in the faithfulness of God, in His time, He will open the door that He desires for us. We will find this way. I find this very comforting in this passage that this is not some mystery like when I watch Monk on TV or I watch Columbo and you really don't know how it's all going to come together. It's not like, I hope I find all the clues here so that I can figure out what God... It's not... No, the promise is that you will find. This is not a mystery to be discovered. This is a promise to be fulfilled, and we're pursuing Him in that. So we knock on the door. We knock on the door and see if God opens it or closes it. Proverbs 3 speaks of this, acknowledging Him in all our ways, and He will make our paths straight. I love straight paths. I love a rut. That's me. There's something just very comforting about being in a rut. Okay? But sometimes a bump comes along and it throws me out of the rut, and that's when I start feeling a little, uh, what's up with that? Okay? Now what do you want? Philippians 4.13, strength will be provided. I can do all things. What does God want me to do? As I look back, this is the most intense part of our pursuit, right? We're, we're wanting to know what the next step is. And I usually, I'm not a risk taker. I like to know what's in that next step before I take it. And God's taught me sometimes the walk of faith, you're not going to know you need to trust. And so you grow in trust. But there have been moments in my life that I knew exactly what to do. One such time was um, while Patsy and I lived in Collinsville, Illinois. It's a suburb of St. Louis. And um, we, uh, 
at First Baptist Church there as a worship pastor and um, enjoyed a wonderful 12 and a half years there at First Baptist Church. But one of the things that I did on the side was there was a funeral home in town, her funeral home, Bob Her owned it. And um, he was always looking for people that were available to play organ for funerals. Uh, they had a nice little pipe organ in their chapel there. And a lot of the funerals that he did were in the chapel, and a lot of funerals were during the days of the week. And he found out about me, contacted me, and wondered if I'd be willing to come from time to time and play organ for a funeral. I was being held during the day because with my schedule being a pastor, I was typically available and I could do that. And um, it was great fun. I'd go and I'd get there and play at least an half an hour before the service, sometimes even more. And I just had my hymnal, and I'd go, and I'd enjoy playing the hymns and uh, trusting that God was using that as they were, you know, they were visiting, preparing for the, for the uh, funeral. Um, every once in a while, the family would have a couple of hymns that they would request. And so Bob would call me ahead of time and say, hey, could you work these into that? And I was more than happy to do that. Um, if you've been in my office, I've got this wooden um, bookcase of hymnals. There's a lot of them in there, and a lot of them are really old. And um, boy, those hymnals have bailed me out many times. I'd get this request for a hymnal, hymn, I don't know that one. So I'd start going through it, and sure enough, I'd find it in one of those hymnals, and I could include it, and I was just always trusting that God was using that in those families as I was playing. There was one time that a very unusual request came my way. The deceased really enjoyed the movie Sound of Music. And so the family had asked, requested, could the organist play songs from the Sound of Music? That would really mean a lot to us and remind us of him. And would he be able to do this? So Bob called me and said, Gary, got this unusual request. Would you be able to play a half an hour of tunes from the Sound of Music? And I said, I guess so. You know, I... I don't know why I couldn't. Um, it was before the internet, so I had to get the music. And the Shattinger Music, downtown St. Louis, had us a lot of stuff. So I went down there. And sure enough, they had this beginner book of all the songs from Sound of Music. Just the chords and the melody. It was perfect for organ. And it just had every song that was in the musical. So I purchased a copy of that. And the day came, and I sat there for a half an hour playing tunes from the Sound of Music. So what typically happened, the, the organ's at the back of the chapel and um, facing the wall, the hallway's behind us. And I start to hear the shuffle. I know what time it is, and the shuffle's back there. And that tells me that Bob is gathering the family there, and he's going to be bringing them in, and they're going to be seated for the service. So it's time for me to start wrapping this up, okay? So I'm starting to think, okay, what key am I in? Where's the cadence? I need to get it all done and put it back together. Um, I hear them start walking, so that's another level of that. I'm starting to wrap it up, and just out of the corner of my eye, I peer over at the aisle, and it's Bob and his assistant going up by themselves. They're going up to close the casket before the service started. I've got to go on. I can't go in the cage, so I quickly flip the page. I kid you not. So long, farewell. <laughs> Alf Beater saying good night. <laughs> it took my breath away. I mean, it was like, I know I should not play that song <laughs> at this moment 
in time. That is not what is best. I'm very willing to give God credit for that because it would have been, I told Bob that story afterwards and he said, I am so glad. I wouldn't have held it together up there if you'd have started playing that, you know, <laughs> playing that song. So sometimes we come up to a situation and God reveals to us like instantaneously, this is what needs to happen. That's very comforting, isn't it? Other times, we keep knock, maybe we knock on multiple doors, okay? I remember in our three and a half year adoption pursuit in which Audrey joined our family. Three and a half years of form after form after form, wait, another form, wait, 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 another form, you know, I mean, and, and there were several things, you know, we were in our late 40s, there were some health things, um, but there were many times that Patsy and I prayed during that, Lord, if you have this for us, open the door, and we'll walk through. If you don't, and you close the door, we're okay, we'll accept it. Even though this is what we want, we'll accept it, and we'll walk away. And he just kept opening the door, opening the door. And while it was much longer and looked much different than we thought that process, it resulted in walking into a room seeing a baby girl and saying, she's ours. And she came to be our daughter. Door after door, open hands. God was faithful in that. Sometimes that's what the pursuit looks like. In knocking, we look to God to lead. I think of Solomon in the Old Testament. I am not ready for this job, right? I am not ready for this job. And he asked for wisdom. And God gave him wisdom and so much more. I would have loved to have been in the room when Ananias got the tap on the shoulder to go see this guy, Saul. Acts chapter 9. Saul had been blinded on the road to Damascus, was blind in a room somewhere, and God tells Ananias, go visit this guy, Saul. I've got a message for him. You want me to what? I mean, I can imagine we've got some of the conversation there, but I'm thinking it was probably longer than what we've got. It would have been with me. He probably came here. My name is on his list. And you want me to go and talk to him? That'd be a hard door, right? But Ananias knocked, the door opened, and he went. And many of us, maybe all of us, are here as a result of Paul's ministry. Ananias started that tree <laughs> through Paul and out to all the Gentiles. Christ's example, oh my, oh my. Walked up to the door of the cross, knocked. The door opened, and he went and died. That was God's best 
for him. Doesn't always look like what we want, right? But what a blessing to us now that Christ was obedient in walking through that door that opened. So we ask, we seek, and we knock. All three are going on all the time. But through a conversation with Pastor Matt, we were kind of reviewing a week and a half ago or something like that. There's also a progression here that God's been using in my mind this past week in developing this idea. See, we, we're, 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 we're faced with life. We're faced with life. Life has all kinds of stuff in it. Stuff that we expect, yes, but there's a lot that we don't expect. And we don't know what to do with it, so we ask. The answer doesn't really come, so then we seek. And maybe even then there's not the clarity, so we knock. See, there's a, there's a pursuit God's direction in those three, isn't there? That's what God's been showing me. Go ahead and ask. But many times the answer doesn't really come in the asking. I need to step it up and I need to seek. What do you want? Okay, And then knock, what do you want me to do? What's the next five minutes look like, Lord? I need to know, so I'm going to knock on the door and see if you open it or close it. There's a progression that goes on all the time. All the time. All three of these verbs are constant and consistent. All the time we're pursuing God in all of these things. And of course then the promise as we do this as His children is that our perfect Heavenly Father will give us good gifts. And that's verses 9, 10, and 11. How is it that you as an earthly, imperfect father know how to give your kids good gifts. We just gave gifts, right? I trust we gave good gifts. We know how to do that. How much more our heavenly father, who loves us enough to send his son to die for us, how much more does he know how to give good gifts? And I would say the answer yes comes very easy for me. Maybe it does for you. But many times it doesn't look like what I would want it to, and that's the rub. Remember, God's goal is our Christ-likeness, not necessarily my desire or even my happiness at times. I think God loves it when we're happy. But sometimes he takes us through some things that are very unhappy to groom us, to shape us into Christ's image. The answer, as we said, is not some mystery to be discovered. It will be provided. It doesn't always look like I want it to. And if Christ's good gift was the cross, why would it be any different for us? If that's what he gave his one and only son for our benefit, and he wants us to be more and more like him, why would it be any different for us? 
Now all the promises of Scripture go along with that. We are not alone. Man, the, the biggest trick the enemy has for me is loneliness. When I feel like I'm all alone, man, it's the worst place to be. It's the worst pl- place to be. We are never alone. We always have Him. He's even given us each other. But we desperately need His insight and His perspective to rise above that. Um, There have been many times in my life, even though I shared some of these stories, that God's given me the opportunity to walk this path. Um, One was just in the last couple years. Um, my last job position before coming here. A crisis kind of happened. Um, my area of ministry was kind of zeroed in on as, as part of the problem and some decisions were being made. I remember at the very beginning kind of getting a sense of what's going on and just, God, what's, what's going on here? This does not look like what I mean. I, things were good. I was planning on retiring in a few years and all that, and this does not look like what I'm thinking. And so I prayed. I remember even after the first weekend of decisions being made, um, I had this sense that I was done with what God had me to do in that place. So I even went to my direct, direct report and, you know, should I just resign door slammed shut. You cannot do that. And oh, okay. All right. Okay. A year later, I knocked on the same door and the door opened. I did a ton of growing that year. ton of trusting because it wasn't looking like what I thought it was. Now, I, I shared with you earlier I'm not a risk taker. <laughs> it takes a staff of people to give me permission to take a risk. <laughs> That's just the way I am. God has provided wonderful staff around me that says, no, Gary, we need to do this. We're with you. Take the charge. Okay, I'm there, man. <laughs> but when I resigned, I felt like I was stepping off a cliff. There was no ground in sight by what I was seeing. I was taking a huge risk, and yet God opened the door. I knew what the door closed looked like. This wasn't that. The door was open. It was time to move on. That led to over a year of, I don't even know how to describe it to you. There were a lot of this, okay? But God in His faithfulness, Patsy and I knocked on a couple of doors in that time. But then the door at Cornerstone opened. The door with navigators opened. And now I find myself in something that in all honesty I would have never chosen and yet is totally right. I'm loving what I'm doing. I get to sit down with college students just like a mentor sat down with me back in those years and opened the door to over 30 years of pastoral ministry, I get to do that now with students in college 
So you're studying to be an accountant. Great. Be an accountant. What does God want to do with that? What does that look like? And we're talking about that and kind of laying plans with open hands, but saying, God, if you would bless that way, boy, could that, wherever I land at that office, could it be a different place because you put me there? It's, it's great fun. And the work here at Cornerstone, I love fellowshipping with you and serving side by side as we pursue God together in this community. But it took time. That was two years of process to get me to the next open door. And when I got there and it opened, it looked totally different than anything I would have chosen. I would not have gone there, in other words, if God hadn't taken me the path that he did and really forced me, sometimes kicking and screaming, sometimes just quiet and defeated. But he faithfully walked me, asked, seek, and then knock. And we're trusting him in that. So how, how do we apply this? Um, I'm going to give you three possibilities here real quickly. Um, we're talking about our prayer life and our pursuit of God. So how do we pursue him? First opportunity is this idea of pray without ceasing. Constant prayer. What does that look like? How do I do that? Way back in the early 90s, and I forget even why I did. How many of you remember the Palm Pilot? Anybody else own a Palm Pilot? All right, a couple of us, all right. That was before the internet. There, you know, it was all self-contained kind of thing, but it was like the precursor of now our smartphones. And I remember God just impressed on me, let's, let's work this pray without ceasing thing. And I set an alarm for every 15 minutes that day. And every 15 minutes, it was a two-sentence prayer. Lord, I praise you for who you are. Second sentence, what are you doing right now? I prayed for eyes to see what he was doing in that place. And it was so good, I did it again. <laughs> Those were great days. I, I don't do it every day. And I wish I could stand here saying that every day it's such a habit, every 15 minutes I'm checking in with God. In other words, it wasn't an interruption of my task. It was just a quick touch with God. And if there was something he had to tell me, I was open, tell me. And then, what are you doing? Okay, all right. Maybe there's a conversation I can have, but if not, okay, all right, back to my task, whatever it was. And I can tell you with all honesty, the days that I've done something like that have been the best days. You get to the end of that day and we've, we've had this conversation through life all day long. It's a great way to live. So I give that to you. We, we have smartphones now. So it can do all kinds of things to remind you. Every, and if it's not every 15 minutes, fine. Every 30, whatever. The point is throughout the day we're touching with him. We're pursuing him. We're asking him. We're seeking him. We're knocking on the doors. We're praying constantly. My life is a prayer offering to him. Number two, blocks of prayer. Always a challenge. My mind, I'm analytical, so anything can put me off on running the 15 top scenarios of how that would work out. So I'm, I'm running scenarios for people all the time. 
praying for them. And then five minutes later, I come back. Oh, man. Okay, back to prayer. Blocks of prayer can be, I think of the war room, the movie that was out just a few years ago. Um, The closet, the list so that we track what God is doing and we rejoice when the answers come. Blocks of prayer. It's a struggle. It's a discipline. But we need that. We need special times to pull aside. Christ did that. He went away on the mountain to pray. He prayed all night. How much more do I need the special times of focused prayer, pursuing Him and the things that are before me? So constant prayer throughout the day. We have blocks of prayer. And then we have corporate prayer. God asks us as his people to do this together, right? And on Sunday mornings we do it. Alex led us in a time of prayer this morning. There are the prayer stations after the services. Guys back there, gals over here, if there's a need for prayer. The elders, we're setting, we, we've experimented this last year with the second Sundays of every month. And we're going to continue that, although we're changing it up a little bit. We really feel like God wants us to focus on prayer. So we're going to do that on the second Sunday night of every month at 5 o'clock right here in our church building somewhere. might not be here in the uh, Sanctuary Worship Center any longer. We may go to another room, gather in a circle. We're going to try, but we're going to focus on prayer. And we're going to share requests and we're going to pray for those requests. And then we're going to pray for our ministry, what God has called us to be and to do for him in this place. What's, what is it that God wants us to do? We're going to knock on some doors, friends, okay? And we're going to see which ones he opens. And we're going to walk through and we're going to see what he's going to do. With our ordinary lives, we're just ordinary people, right? But when God is setting those ordinary lives in motion, boy, great things happen for he and his kingdom. We're going to ask, we're going to seek, and then we're going to knock. And we're going to do it together. Remember, loneliness is one of our adversary's greatest weapons against us. Convinces us that we're all alone. So we gather and we do it together. And in that, we see God answer through us together, bringing all of our gifts to bear on his task before us. Church planning, you've heard us talk about that. We're going to pray about that. We talked about the blessed list and taking ordinary steps of relationship, but being intentional about it and seeing if God will allow us to share the gospel with lost people. We're going to pray about that. Someone's on your blessed list, you bring that list on Sunday nights. We're going to pray over that list and ask God to do marvelous things in their lives. Our Father loves to give good gifts. And while those good gifts may or may not look like we want them to be, That's his heart, is to grow us to be like his son. So we ask, we seek, and we knock, and we ask him to do marvelous things for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that... um, It's so incredibly practical 
and, and you've lived, we've seen it lived out. Even in the example of Christ, we see him living out this example of what you desire our relationship to look like and to be. So Lord, lay it upon our hearts to pursue you. Lord, help us to ask, help us to seek, and help us to knock. All looking for what you desire, for your honor and your glory. Bless our time now around your table. Thank you for the provision of your son to die and give the sacrifice once for all that covers us and allows us now to live in relationship with you. Set that calling on our hearts, Lord. Change us to be more like you. For we ask it in the powerful name of our Savior, your Son, Jesus. Amen.